You're listening to the Paleo NP Podcast, episode number 24. Welcome to the Paleo NP Podcast. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and creator of MarthaFlorence.com. I live in Anchorage, Alaska with my boyfriend and fur children. I'm here to share my take on integrative health, nutrition, and fitness, answer your questions, and talk with health and wellness experts. You can submit your questions at MarthaFlorence.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome back to the Paleo NP podcast. You all are in for such a treat this week because I have a guest on the show, which always gets me excited because while I love doing this podcast, sometimes I get really tired of talking to myself week after week. So I'm here with Beth Manos Bricky, and I'm going to let her introduce herself in just a minute, but I'm really excited to chat with her. We've been virtual friends on Instagram for a while, so it's always fun to talk with people who you feel like you know from following online, but you've never really met in real life. So Beth is a nutritional therapy practitioner, a yoga instructor, and has an amazing website called Tasty Yummies that is filled with tons of information and great recipes. So Beth, thanks so much for being here today. And I would love it if you would just give us a quick introduction, tell us who you are and what you're all about. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you, Martha, so much for having me on. I'm so excited and I'm excited about the topics that we're going to cover today and I know we're both geeky about a lot of this stuff, so I have a feeling it's going to fly by in no time. Um, To keep my bio brief, because I know we're going to kind of get into more about my personal health journey and kind of how my website came to be, but um, I'm a recipe developer and a photographer, and food styling comes along with all that. And I do all that mostly for my own website, Tasty Yummies. Uh, Tasty Yummies has been around since 2010. Um, in addition, as you mentioned, in addition to the recipes that I create, I also write health and healing and wellness articles. I share how to's, um, just kind of like general cooking how to's just to kind of inspire and empower people to get in the kitchen. I also create cooking videos. And then on top of all of that, I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, a yoga instructor, and I recently started hosting my own podcast as well. So now I'm in the podcast club and my (laughs) podcast is called Between Meals. Awesome. You're not busy at all. No, no, I have nothing going on. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, do you want to share a little bit of background about your health journey and your website and kind of how that came to be? Yeah. Um, So my health journey, sometimes I feel like it's still happening. Obviously. Um, Yeah. Uh, But it's been an ongoing, a very active and ongoing journey since uh, 2005. And so in 2005, I discovered that I had a severe gluten intolerance at the time I wasn't tested for celiac, so I've never been uh, diagnosed officially as celiac disease. Um, but through working with a very close friend of our families who's a holistic health practitioner, she guided me through an elimination diet. And um, I'd just been struggling for year, for my whole life, truthfully, uh, with immune uh, issues. Like my immune system was just crap. It, w- it just didn't function properly. So I was always sick. I struggled with hormone imbalances and migraines and acne. The biggest thing that kind of led me to this first step in 2005 was this, was my severe digestive issues. Um, so we did an elim- a tr- traditional elimination diet and removed all common allergens and discovered that I had a grave response to gluten that my body had just kind of begun to mask and just deal with it appropriately just to get through the day to day. 
Um, and so I spent about five years just navigating. I mean, 2005, there wasn't a lot of information about gluten-free. Um, there also wasn't a lot of food besides just natural whole foods. So I just relearned how to eat. I relearned how to cook. Um, and it was hard and it, there wasn't a lot of support, but I did it. I went hundred percent gluten-free. I'm a very all or nothing person. So as soon as I discovered that I couldn't tolerate it, I, I just, I had to switch and get out of it. So um, about five years of doing that. And then as foods of commerce, as frankenfoods, as I like to call them, started to pop up in supermarkets and gluten-free baked goods and pizzas and cookies and crackers started to pop up and breads. I was so desperate for them. It had been five years that I bought all of it, you know, and I just couldn't stop myself. And I started noticing I was starting to feel sick again. And a lot of the things that were minor were getting to be more major and the headaches were getting worse again. And so was the acne. And I started to put on a lot of weight and I just was thinking to myself, I'm doing everything right. I'm eating gluten-free. Um, and then I did some research and I started watching documentaries and reading books and I familiarized myself with Michael Pollan's work. And I just kind of really dove into what was happening with our food system and our food and where was our meat coming from and what was factory farm meat and what did this mean? And I just learned too much too fast and went all in because that's how I am. And in 2010, I just decided to cut out processed foods and clean up the foods that I would allow in our home and what I was eating. And this wasn't, this is part of the goal, but it was also just a nice, beautiful side effect, but I lost about 40 or 45 pounds. And we all know that, um, yeah, it was pretty, and it was effortless. And I hate to say that because it makes it sound like I didn't do anything. It was a lot of work, the work I was doing, but I wasn't running and counting calories. I just cut out processed foods mostly. And, um, we all know that people take notice of the visual, the outward appearance things. And people were like, what are you doing? I don't understand what you're eating. If you're not eating gluten and you're not eating dairy and you're not eating processed foods. And so I know this sounds like a long story, but this is kind of how tasty yummies came to be. Uh, April, 2010, it was January that I, I hardened was like, no more junk, no more processed foods. What am I going to feel like? And it was in two months, three months that I lost that 40 pounds. And, wow. um, so I started Tasty Yummies because I just, it was a hobby. I wanted to be able to share the recipes I was creating and just show people it wasn't that hard. Like I was eating amazing foods and I was really living my life actually better than I had ever lived before. And I was just doing it with a conscious awareness of what I was putting in my body. And I wanted people to see how easy it was. And um, so that was 2010. And then my health journey kind of continued from there because you kind of hit those plateaus where you're feeling better than you were before. And so you're like, I feel amazing. Everything's great. And then you start to notice as you get to that new level of feeling good. After some time, I realized that like I was dealing with, I was still dealing with chronic digestive issues and I couldn't figure it out. And I didn't know why and kind of chronic fatigue that was bordering on like adrenal issues and I didn't have energy. And so in 2014, after a lot of investigation and trying to understand what was going on, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune form of kidney disease um, called IgA nephropathy. And through the journey of trying to figure out if I could get that into remission, I found an amazing naturopathic doctor and we kind of dug in deep and realized I had severe leaky gut. I had a parasite in my gut. I had chronic pathogenic bacteria, gut bacteria that was like overrunning my body versus the healthy bacteria. Um, and I just kind of had normalized it because the way I had felt before all of this was so bad that this felt like a level up. 
but it was still like I normalized how terrible I was feeling because it, I just thought it was fine and I knew people sicker and so it that's kind of how I got into becoming a nutritional therapist and wanting to help people in the way that I've been able to help myself through this journey and um, no more bacteria no more pathogenic bacteria <laughs> no more parasite I healed my leaky gut I have no chronic migraines I mean it's been a journey to get from 2005 to 2018 and my health isn't perfect but to to look at where I've come and aging all the years in between I've never felt better and so now it's my mission to just share with people how easy it is so that's I know that's a very long <laughs> intro and bio and story, but no, it's great. And you touched on a couple of things that I think are really important for people to understand is that you basically, and I hear this all the time and I'm sure you do too, but you didn't realize how bad you felt until you felt better. Yep. And then you're yeah. like, how did I ever live like this? And I think I hear a lot of people who are like, oh, I don't have a problem with gluten or, oh, I'm fine with dairy. That's like, well, yeah. have you ever tried to eliminate it? And do you actually know that? And people are like, yeah. well, no, I haven't, but I feel fine when I eat it. But that normalized reaction, I think is really something that people just don't think about. So yeah. And I, I kind of hit a moment when I got my gut, when I kind of got through the parasite cleanse and the, the, the bacteria detox and all these things. And I just remember eating a meal and not having an instant stomach ache. And I said to my husband, I was like, so do you not get a stomach ache after every meal? And he's like, no. And I was like, oh, that's been happening to me pretty much my whole life. And it's like, it wasn't so bad that I was like doubled over in pain and in the hospital. And I think that's what a lot of us perceive to be sick or unwell. Right. Um, but it, we shouldn't have to be feeling that way. And I was feeling that way, telling everybody how great I felt. And then I got rid of that. And I was like, oh, I don't have to feel like I'm going to crap my, myself after every meal. Like, right. <laughs> that's yeah. not good. Yeah. Yeah. We just get used to it and don't realize yep. it. It's really unfortunate, yep. but I'm, I'm glad that you figured it out. And I'm glad that you're helping people figure that out for themselves because that's really yeah. important. Um, I agree. I know one thing that I really appreciate about your approach is that um, while you feel really strongly about wellness in general, you have a pretty balanced approach and you encourage others to do the same, which is not at all an easy thing to do. Um, can you just talk about how you navigate um, that like sticky, often confusing world of wellness and how you kind of got to this place where you know what's best for you um, when there's so much noise out there? Yeah, I mean, it's hard and I often find it's hard to put into words when I because I'm very careful not to say to people like, uh, or to be careful, I'm careful to how I say to people, I should say, and not to not say it, but I'm careful in how I say to people, um, you just have to go with how you feel. Because as we just said four minutes ago, mm -hmm. people don't know how bad they feel. So uh, to your point of, well, gluten doesn't bother me. It's like, well, of course it doesn't. Our body's very brilliant in protection. And so if your body's being constantly exposed to something, that it deems to be a threat, it will eventually do whatever it needs to do to mitigate those responses so that you can just get through your daily tasks. And so um, I think some of it is slowing down and bringing an awareness to your day to day. Um, and that's different for everybody, whether that's taking five minutes before a meal or after a meal to really check in and see how you're feeling. You know, I suggest a lot of my clients, I don't say track their food in the sense of like, macros and counting calories or any of that stuff. But um, I think a food journal is very helpful, at least in the beginning of navigating what health looks like to you and wellness um, to not only 
have an awareness around what you're actually putting in your body. Cause I think it's really easy to eat mind mindlessly, but also the, the after effects. So you don't even realize that like every day after lunch, I feel like I can't keep my eyes open. And then there's a pattern, maybe the days that you have four coffees or a bagel for breakfast instead of eggs and some veggies, like your tiredness or that mood feeling changes and you're not really even aware of it. Um, but I also think that there's an importance to disconnecting from what everybody else is doing in the sense of everybody has different health goals. So for me, my health and wellness journey at points was very ego driven. And it was very much like, I want to lose this weight. I don't like how I look. I don't want to be overweight. And there were times that it was like, I just don't want to feel bad anymore. And if I followed somebody else's path who was say 20 something years old and 250 pounds and had a lot of weight to lose and was struggling with type two diabetes and they started eating one way and they lost 45 pounds and two weeks or two weeks, two months. Um, I can't eat just like them and get the same results because I don't have a hundred pounds to lose. If my goal is to mitigate chronic migraines, the steps to get there are going to be very unique to me. And so I think there's just a lot of, you know, and it isn't sexy. It's not sexy to have a brand built on do what works for you because one, right. people don't always know that. And two, that's not people like formulas. And so it's, it's sticky in the sense of I'm always trying to give people the information that will hopefully empower them to make those choices, but to leave it ultimately up to them to say like, should I remove dairy, Beth? I don't know. I mean, if you're my client, I have a slew of information about you and I have your whole health history and a symptom burden and all of that. But if you're not my client and I don't know that it, there's a, a billion uh, sort of factors that play into how we get to what that personalized nutrition is for you. And so, you know, I think it's about remembering all of that. And then, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of science involved and, you know, genetics and epigenetics and lifestyle and age and all of these things play into how different foods affect different people. So we all know those people that can eat all the processed foods that for some reason make me ill and overweight and, they eat them day in and day out. And some of it's maybe that, like we talked about, they're unaware of how terrible they're feeling. And some of it's that they are just blessed with a different metabolism, but it doesn't mean that they're healthy just because right. they look healthy. So um, yeah, I mean, it's a huge topic and I'm, I'm very passionate about it. And it's, it's affected my work in great ways and in very negative ways. If I would have slapped a paleo label on my diet and my, my website when I started in 2010, I would have a very different trajectory of the path that I've been on. But, um, and I think the paleo diet's great. And I think the keto diet's great. And I think there's elements of all of these that can work for people if they're done correctly. But I think it's just about creating the path and the plan that works for you and shutting everything else out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, like making one of the things when I work with patients in a clinic, um, which is different than the work that I do online. So I'm a nurse practitioner and I see patients in a clinic a couple of days a week. And when I work with those patients, I always put the decision in their hands because I don't know all of their, you know, all of the things that are going into their decision-making skills. So if I'm saying like, yeah. here, here are two options for a treatment or, you know, non-treatment, like here's where I see the pros and cons of both of them what do you feel is right? That's the closest that I can come to helping people understand like you do you because people yeah, yeah, yeah. so like the way my body feels, we're all very disconnected from that at a certain point. Like we have to learn that skill. And I think yeah. it's really hard to, it's, you can't teach it. You have to just sort of 
steer people and eventually the light bulb goes on and they're like, oh, this is what you mean when you say listen to your body. Yeah. And And sometimes they need, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I think sometimes some of those people based on how they respond to different tendencies or different things, um, expectations or whatever that is, I think that sometimes they start with that black and white set of rules whether it's a whole 30 or a sugar detox or whatever it is to get them there. And then hopefully, I mean, that's all of our wants and goals for people is that even if they use a very direct black and white path, that they do get to this place where they end it going, okay, I did whole 30. Actually dairy doesn't feel good. So I'm going to not do whole 30 officially. I'm just going to eat really well, but I'm going to remove dairy because it doesn't work for me. I mean, that's the ultimate goal is that we, we all, whatever capacity we work in and the healing, um, world that we give people that power but it's a, it's not an easy job <laughs> no. and I definitely like I tell people you know everybody wants the easy way out obviously I mean that's just how we are and I I recommend a whole 30 as that's that's my kind of go-to because even if you don't think you need one I just think it teaches you so much about your body yeah. and how you feel and connects that makes that mind-body connection with food And even if you're like, oh, I'm fine, I don't have anything that I'm working on, I think it goes a long way to kind of just teaching that skill of how do I really feel when I eat and what am I actually eating? Am I hungry? Am I not hungry? All of those. So I think that's, I think those are good tools um, for everybody in general. Yeah. I think as long as they're used effectively. My only complaint with the Whole30 is all of them, not just Whole30, but that's just the, probably the most common, at least in the entire public world outside of our, you know, little bubble. But my only complaint with it is that I see a lot of people create a lot of negative habits around food or really just damaging their body in very unhealthy ways, uh, whether it's emotional eating or, you know, the mental surrounding the mindset surrounding the food or the actual physical aspect of the food that's going in their body. I often see them using whole 30 or something of the like as like a, well, I screwed up yesterday. I'm going to, I'm going to basically, Uh, I don't know the right word I'm looking for here, but punish myself by, or like give myself this reset. And then they, or they do it prior to the bad eating as like, I'm going to do this now so I can eat really bad. And it's like, it's not to say that treats and indulgences don't have their place, but it's about finding, and it's different for everybody, but it's about finding that balance, not about like indulge, 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 to go so far, you feel so bad, fix it by doing a whole 30 and then go right back to all your bad habits. Yeah. But that's, that just means the people that are making those, that level of choice, they're maybe not quite ready to make the full blown lifestyle right. shifts right. forever. Absolutely. Yeah. I always maybe they're on their way. Yeah. I always say that if you do something, if you're following something with, without the intention of learning something from it, then there's no point in doing it. If you're just doing it to do it, then that's not, that's not helpful. But if you want to, if you're going to learn yeah. something from it, then that's, you should, you can do anything and it's okay as long as you're going to learn something from it. Right. It's right. Kind of- and maybe the other way serves its purpose on a very physical level, but right. I often see people that, that are in that cycle. Yeah. It's a different kind of disordered eating in that there's not a, and I never use the word relationship with food or I try very careful not to anymore because I don't, you know, I think it's Rob Wolf who says it so beautifully, but he's like, you're not married to your food. Like you shouldn't <laughs> be in a relationship with your food. But right. that that connection of how it plays into your life and where it fits. I think if you are in that cycle, if it serves a purpose of, Hey, I want to feel better. That's great. I think it's important. I'd rather see people do that than just indulge, indulge, indulge. But that said, to your point of not learning something, that's a cycle that continues. And it's like, 
you know, people like us that are further down the road in the healing, it's like, people are always like, Oh, but I thought you eat keto. Why are you eating that? I'm like, because this is the beauty of eating this way is like, no matter what choice you make, it's about creating the flexibility, but also owning that you have personal, um, worth, but also, uh, what's the word I'm like, like, um, um, setting, setting up what is worth it in the end, you know, like, is, am I going to do this? Is it going to be worth it for me? And what's worth it for me is different for somebody else or not worth it for that matter. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and so you already kind of touched on this and I know the general answer to this question, but I have a very similar take on it too, but tell us about putting name label title to what you eat and the way that you eat. Yeah. Um, I'm very, I don't, I'm very anti it, at least for myself, mm -hmm. how, how other people choose to do that for themselves is up to them. For me, when someone's like, one of the first questions people love to ask me when they know I'm a nutritionist, they're like, well, what are you? I'm like, I am a female nutritionist. And they're like, but what are you? Are you vegan? Are you paleo? I'm like, I'm a woman who eats really well. And like they push and they, they just need for me to say, I do this. And I generally explain to people, I'm like, my choice of eating is it's not really up. To, it's not really important to you. And it's really none of your business is what I actually want to say. Maybe I'll start saying that, but it's none of your business what yeah. I do. But the, the gist of it is, is like, I generally eat a very ketogenic based diet because that's how I feel best. I've been working to get my kidney disease into remission. I've got a history and a family history of diabetes and blood sugar dysregulation. And so for me, reducing carbohydrates, increasing my healthy fats. Like I've never, ever, ever felt better. That said, any one of my given meals at any time throughout any day or week or month, you might look at me one meal and go, oh, she's plant-based. And the next one you might go, oh, she's keto. Oh, she's paleo. Like, what are you doing eating sweet potatoes? I thought you were keto. And it's like, you know, I know what works for me given the amount of physical activity that I have. Um, and so for me to just walk around and slap all over my blog and tell everybody that I eat keto, I think while I stand behind a lot of the foundations and the fundamentals of that approach, one, it's not right for everybody. Two, it de desperately needs to have a highly customized, personalized attention to it. Yes. And three, I think when there's that level of labeling or, or, um, name calling of your diet is then it just puts this level of to be healthy. I just have to be keto. Cause look at Beth, that's healthy. Or look at Joe, Joe's healthy. Joe's got a six pack. I guess I need to be keto to have a six pack like Joe. And it's like, but you don't know Joe's history and you don't know what Joe, how often he carbs up. And maybe he wouldn't deem that to be keto if you look at a list of rules. And so, you know, for me, I think nutrition needs to be highly customized and personalized. And, um, you know, if those, if those diets and those labels get you to a starting point, I mean, unfortunately, from the perspective of creating content on the internet and having things be um, SEO friendly and searchable and findable, I was so anti paleo when it came out to to a fault that I refused to call anything on my website paleo, I would call it grain-free chocolate cake, grain, because no cavemen were eating chocolate cake. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so anti that because I just felt so strongly about everything I just said, but it actually hurt me in the sense of people weren't finding my recipes that were eating paleo. So whether I thought that name should be put on things and whether or not I thought people should call themselves that, they were using that approach to make better choices for their health, which applause, applause. If they could have found my recipes by using that term easier, I would have been benefiting from it as well, and they would have as well. Um, 
so there's, I think there's bonuses and there's negatives, but for me personally, I'm just very mindful of just calling myself one thing because it's, it's evolving all the time. There's some weeks that I'm like, this isn't working for me or whatever the case may be. I mean, um, and you know, there's very dogmatic approaches for a lot of people. Uh, people will claim that something isn't keto enough or paleo enough or whatever the case is. So I try to stay away from all of that, but yeah, it's just a personal approach for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I feel kind of the same way. Um, I describe myself as mostly paleo because I feel like, like you said, people want labels when they're looking for answers. And I do think to a certain extent, it helps them understand what you're about, right? Like you're, you know, keto, paleo, whatever, like that helps people identify with you and know where you're coming from maybe. But I do try really hard not to be dogmatic about it. And I try to avoid labels as much as I can. Um, but basically like I avoid the things that make me feel bad and eat more of the things that make me feel good. And that's right. Mostly for you, it's mostly keto. And for me, it's mostly paleo and that works. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and this kind of goes along with putting labels on yourself, but I do want to touch on managing stress and anxiety and how that's important, um, specifically around food choices, because Mm. I get really frustrated and sad when people talk about how they're afraid to eat certain foods or even how they're afraid to reintroduce foods or food groups. And I don't think that we need to be afraid of food and we certainly don't need any more stress and anxiety in our lives and definitely not when it comes to food. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I see it a lot with clients. I actually just had a client um, that started with me recently that's on her own before coming to me had found the keto diet and found a lot of success with it, but she kind of hit a stalling point. Her, her goal was mostly uh, fat loss and feeling better, of course. And she wants to be able to have some kids. And so she was kind of like wanting to get her body in top shape before she got pregnant. She was a bit older. And so we're sort of talking and I looked at her food journal and there wasn't much in the way of vegetables. And I was like, well, okay, let's talk. You do not like them. What don't you like? Like, let me help you find the right ones. And it kind of, as we got to talking, I realized that there was, there was a fear around vegetables because there was a fear of the carbohydrates because she was so wrapped up in not getting the goal, hitting the goals that she wanted that, you know, she was tweaking it more and more. And, you know, I think that that's when, having those, those labels and becoming very dogmatic in your approach and not sort of veering off what the black and white says can be a detriment. But to your point of stress, I think, you know, oftentimes people perceive stress to be my job's really hard or my kids are screaming and yelling or somebody in my family's sick or, you know, the external uncontrollable stressors that we all have. But I think a lot of times people don't, and I'm guilty of this. I've spent years working through this, but, um, I think a lot of times we have so much stress around, I don't know what to eat anymore. I don't know what the right foods are. You know, when you're at your worst with your health or if it's a, if fat loss is a goal, like when things are at their worst and you're at your most desperate point and you're not getting the results and the answers you hope for, then you start to look at everything. Like it could be the culprit. I was in deep in a, an elimination diet when I was first diagnosed with my kidney disease and we couldn't figure out what the triggers were. Um, if, if food was a trigger or if it was just kind of systematic and genetic, whatever. Um, and I just, as I was trying to heal my gut and I was just having these chronic stomach aches, it was like one day what would bother me. And as I would figure it out the next day, it wouldn't and something new. And it's like, it was just food in general. And 
you know, it, it got to this point where I felt so desperate that I was afraid to eat anything because I didn't know if that was the food that was causing the problems. And as you remove foods out, you become afraid, as you stated, like to, to introduce them back in. And I have a wonderful naturopathic doctor. And when I went into her office and was, I was kind of at the height of my frustration of like, I'm doing this, I'm taking this supplement and I'm doing this and I'm, and I'm meditating and I'm a yoga teacher. I'm like, I know everything. I'm like, why is this not working? Why am I not feeling better? And she just looked at me really point blank and was like, but are you stressed? I'm like, I'm not stressed as I'm like sitting there crying about <laughs> all these things I just said. And she's like, but are you stressed? So I'm like, I guess I am. And I like had this breakdown and I started to realize that I was kind of creating an internal stress on my own. And, you know, we all know from a scientific and, you know, um, physiological standpoint that the body responds to any stress, whether it's stress from ourselves, the stress from our jobs, our family, stress from a food that's causing an intolerance that we don't know about. All of that creates that sort of hormonal cascade of cortisol being released and your body being in a chronic state of fight or flight mode. And, what I think is fascinating that I now understand because I went through school and learned about it, and this is why I'm so passionate about trying to explain it to people, is that you can make every right choice, right? Every food you're putting in is perfect and organic and grass-fed meat and the supplements are you know, non-GMO and blah, blah, blah. But if you're stressed about everything that you're putting in your body, you're never out of that fight or flight, that sympathetic you know, nervous system dominance. And so cortisol is being chronically released. Your digestion doesn't work properly. So those stomach aches might not be the product of what you're eating, but the state at which you're eating it in. And I just, I don't feel like that's getting talked about enough in the space of health and wellness. And there's, there's this reverse obsession with, we need to eat this. And oh, did you put your collagen peptides in your coffee this morning? And I think that this becomes such a like problem of keeping up with what to be doing right, that people are never even eating just the wholesome, nutrient-dense, simple whole foods that we need in a calm and relaxed state. Like, and it's sad because yeah. it's so, it's, it's free. Stress management is free, <laughs> whatever your stress is. But like people pay money and go to all these crazy, you know, doctors and this and that. And it's like stress management's free. We should be starting there as a baseline, you know? Yeah. I did an episode about digestion. And one of the things that I talked about was, um, people would rather look for a supplement or a pill to address whatever digestive issue they're having when the reality is they need to sit down and have their meal and maybe think about why is it that they're stressed out? They're, they're working 12 hours a day. Why are they, why do they feel the need to work 12 hours a day and not come home and yeah. have dinner with their family or, but nobody wants to talk about that. It's not, that's yep. not easy. It's not sexy. Like, yep. it's like, give me the pill, give me the supplement, give me the diet and it'll yep. solve all of my problems, but it's, that's stress. Yep. stress will undo all of that. Yeah. I try, I try to tell my clients, like I'll, I'll suggest a supplement for this symptom, right. but you should take five to 10, if not 20 deep breaths before you eat your meal. And you should set your fork down between bites and you should chew your food 20 to 30 or 40 times, because all of that probably will have a greater effect on your digestion than any digestive enzyme I can give you. Yeah. But like you said, it's not, that, that puts the power back in the hand of the person that is needing the change. And, you know, this is, this is why I'm so passionate about the teaching and the empowering and the mindset as much or more. I mean, my, my blog and my website are called Tasty Yummies and it's loaded with recipes, but I'm constantly trying to figure out ways to like show people that the food is insanely important, but it's all of these other factors that are as or more important in a lot of ways. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. 
So this next question is one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, because a few months back you posted on Instagram about why we don't need extra stuff. So MCT powder, mushroom powder, bulletproof coffee, all of that, that stuff to make you healthy. And it got a huge response. And I think that I even said that I didn't realize how passionately I felt about that until you brought it up, which is great. Yeah. Um, why I love the internet. And the other thing that I didn't realize until you mentioned it was that the way that a lot of these products are talked about online makes us think that we need them. And what we don't realize is that people are getting these things for free or they're getting paid to talk about them. And none of that is necessarily a bad thing. And most people do a really good job of even just saying like, hey, I got this for free. I just want to share it with you. But it makes everybody else end up thinking that they still really need this in order to achieve whatever arbitrary health goal. So I would just love it if you would riff on that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge topic and I yeah. feel like we could talk about it forever and I hope people go check out the post. So I did a full after oh, the Instagram sorry. post. Yeah. It's a full post called eating doesn't have to be so complicated. 20 things not necessary to being healthy. Um, because, you know, I go to a lot of um, conferences and I go to a lot of events and obviously I have a ton of people in my little echo chamber on Instagram that has even more followers than me. And it's like, you see these trends of collagen peptides and now it's the mushroom powders and MCT oils. And, you know, I think all of that's great. And I think it's sort of about like dialing it in. It's like the minute details of I've worked so hard on my health. What can I, what else can I dial in here to get even better performance or even better response or to get a little more energy? And I, th I think those things all serve their purpose. But I think what's um, very unfortunate about that is that there are people that are not giving these, getting these products for free or for discounted that see them being constantly promoted by our sea of other um, wellness and content creators and influencers. And it becomes this like club of everybody's doing that. And so clearly that's what I should be doing. And they look at the pricing and they're just like, Hmm, like half these people aren't even, you know, able to afford high quality grass fed meats or organic vegetables every time they buy vegetables. And now they're feeling like I need, so wait, I should be putting MCT oil and grass fed butter in my coffee. And then sometimes collagen. And in the afternoon I do my, my matcha with all my mushroom powders and they see that and it becomes so overwhelming that they're like, I don't even know what this means and I don't know what it is. And so then eating healthy and wellness becomes this overbearing, overcomplicated, unattainable thing that you have to be wealthy for. You have to be completely educated. You have to be living on the West Coast in LA. Like it's these things that are like a goal to reach. And then they just look at everything else and they're like, it's too much. It's too much. I'll just go back to the box of macaroni and I'll just go back to the hot dogs and I'll give the kids what they want because I don't want to fight and I don't know where to start. And they just go right back to sort of the old habits. And so my problem with all of that is not the products themselves or the partnerships with the brands that offer them. I just think it's about this awareness of um, health being accessible, you know, and not this this rich club, you know, like, I don't know that that's the best way to put it, but, um, I just, I just feel like it's, it's highly exclusive at times. And, um, 
and I just want people to know that those things are important and they serve their purpose, but they, you don't need them. They're none of those things on that list that I put out, not a one of them is a vital nutrient or something that we need to survive. We need water. There are vitamins and minerals that we need to be able to survive. We don't need a smoothie bowl. We don't need SIE bowls. We don't need to go to soul cycle. CBD oil is not a necessity, you know, like, so I just think that it needs to be talked about more. And I just feel like it's a good reminder for me because it's easy for me to get my hands on a lot of that stuff. I'm, we're not rich by any means, but my, the money I spend on my health and my wellness and my nutrition and my food is higher than any other thing I have a budget for because it's the most important. I don't have kids. So it's like, I'm very fortunate and I'm very aware of that fortunateness. Is that a word? Fortunateness? It is now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm very aware of that privilege. I'm very aware of it. And it's t at times I just kind of open my cabinet and there's just this like cascading waterfall of like powdered supplements to put in my things. And I'm mindful of how often I post that for these very reasons that I don't want people to feel like it's a necessity. Um, you know, when I, when I can educate people on the importance of these things and how fun and like inclusive they can be, I think it's great, but I just, I think it's about slowing down and keeping it simple. And it's kind of to get back to the original concept of this conversation, but this idea of personalized nutrition. And so some people that are dealing with chronic adrenal fatigue may find drastic results using some adaptogenic mushrooms, but maybe not. And maybe if you don't have massive chronic adrenal fatigue, they're going to do very little to you. And so they're probably not that important. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I like, I find that I usually look for things like that to solve a specific problem, right? Like, right. you know, I have this problem, like I'm not getting enough protein. And part of that is not, you know, not preparing it enough. Um, and not having enough just on hand, easy to grab. So, you know, what did I do? I got some collagen peptides because it's easy to put in stuff. I'm an athlete. Like I'm, you know, like I need, I just, I need easy things, but that solves a very specific problem. And that would right. be the first thing to go. Like that would honestly be the first thing to go. Right. If something right. To go, but it's like, I have this problem. I need to solve it. How can I solve it? Um, right. But I do, I agree. Like, and I, I think that it's, like, I don't fault anybody for getting anything for free. Most people share that. I think most people have to share that. Um, yeah. Or, or if they're getting paid to, to talk about something. But it, it does, like, I do agree that it creates this club that people are like, well, I can't, like, if I buy this product, am I going to be a member of this club? And then am I going to be healthy? Yeah. And I just, I think that I agree with the, the wanting to be inclusive. Like, health, everybody should have access to health. Like everybody yeah. should be able to be healthy and you don't need expensive products to do it. Yeah. And I think it's Melissa Hartwig is, she's posted on her Instagram. So whole 30 creator, Melissa Hartwig, she posted on her Instagram. She's doing a lot of work to try to get whole 30 to be accessible to like low income families and people mm -hmm. on food stamps. And she's struggling with some similar things in a kind of a different realm that like, you know, do I, do I work with these companies who don't support the things that I believe in, like conventionally raised meat in order to bring awareness to, you can, you can eat these, you can do a whole yeah. thing without buying organic. That's okay. Right. It's um, not ideal, but you, it's totally possible. And you'd rather see a client or right. I mean, a person eating uh, conventionally raised meat and quality vegetables versus uh, a mac box of packaged mac and cheese. Exactly. Yeah. But a lot of people see that it's cheaper. And it's like, if we're so busy 
shaming people for not buying grass-fed meat, that they're afraid to buy regular meat and then they're making really poor choices and they're not getting the proper nutrients, then we're actually not doing our job. We're doing um, a great disservice to people by shaming. Um, Yeah, it's hard. It's a hard world to navigate, especially when like, you know, you're in the space of health and wellness and you're trying to explain and educate people on why it is so important to make the best choice. But, you know, I have a post on my website about uh, the difference of eggs, like pasture-raised versus cage-free versus free-range versus this. And, you know, one of the things I tried to explain to people in there is like, listen, if you can't afford the pasture-raised organic, like high-end eggs that everyone's talking about on Instagram, then just buy the $2 eggs because there's still nutrients in there that are going to give you a lot of benefits. Are the animals raised perfectly? Absolutely not. But you also have to be worried about yourself on some level. And then those things in between are such buzzword bullshit label, bull uh, BS labels. Sorry. (laughs) You might have to bleep me out. Um, It's, it's like, don't waste your money on those mid range things that are making claims that mean nothing where the animals aren't really treated much better and the nutrition doesn't change much better. So stick with the easy affordable one and it's it's hard because you want people to know that you have integrity and you stand behind the things that you say but I'm I'm the same I mean we have had this amazing opportunity here in Long Beach to work with an organization and feed the local um, underprivileged community a lot of most of them that we feed are homeless and it's been very eye-opening for me because I'll be leaving my home where I'm writing these articles about collagen peptides and turmeric lattes and adaptogenic mushrooms and grass-fed meat. And I'm like, these people haven't had a meal. They don't even know where their next meal is. They don't have a home. They're sleeping on the streets. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich is the most nutrient-dense thing they're going to have all day. And it's got hydrogenated oils in it. And like, I'm making these sandwiches feeling like I should be doing better. But I'm thinking to myself, this is when it just becomes about survival. And, and then the, you know, I found the opportunity when we were going there every single week to, I just said, listen, if I spend money and go buy organic green beans or organic carrots, can I bag them and put them in the lunches so that I can at least know that something healthy is going in there. And that for me was the answer of how to navigate like something, but yeah, I agree. I mean, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing. Yeah tough. So that's all I've got. Thank you so much for being here today. This has been, been, I love this conversation and I love having a podcast as an excuse to have great conversations with all of these (laughs) awesome people that I only know from the internet. Um, Great. So I'll be sure to link to all of the ways that people can connect with you online. Um, and that article, the one about, um, the, the, you don't need potions and powders to be healthy. Yeah. um, The Instagram post too and all of those other things. But do you want to just share really quickly where people can find you, where you, where you hang out the most online? Sure. Yeah. Super easy. So obviously my website, tastyummies.com is where all of my articles and recipes and everything is hopefully really easy for you to navigate on there. Um, the place I probably hang out the most online is Instagram and Instagram stories. So I'm just at tastyummies, C-A-S-T-Y-Y-U-M-M-I-E-S. And it's the exact same handle on Twitter, Pinterest, and Facebook as well. So you can find me all those places. Cool. And I'll be sure to link to your podcast too, which I've been loving Thank listening you. to. Thank so you. I'm Thank you. Decided to start doing that. 
I've been so, loving doing it. It's so fun. It's fun. Yeah. So show notes for this episode will be available at MarthaFlorence.com slash episode 24. And as always, if you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you would leave a rating or review on iTunes or the Apple podcast app. It just takes a few seconds and it makes it easier for other people to find the show. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week.